Amen. Are you still with me, church? Hey, can you stay standing? Because I'm excited this morning uh, for who's in the house. We have a couple of special guests, Pastor Dale and Rachel, mentioned all the way from Vision Church in Palmerston North Church. I believe that you're going to be blessed by the Word this morning. So I encourage you to sit on the edge of your seat, receive the Word, open your hearts, and get ready to hear what God has to say to you this morning. Church, can we give Pastor Dale a connect church welcome as he comes up to the pulpit this morning. Great to be here. What a great house. And uh, can we give a hand to the team this morning? What an amazing worship. Incredible presence of God here. As I was worshiping with you this morning, I just prophetically, I guess, I saw this picture of this, this house here, a sound going out, and it was hitting against the hills around about, and it was hitting up against uh, Kapiti Island, and the people in the community were hearing something. Even though they're a fair distance from here, something was happening. In fact, I had this thought this morning. There was someone here this morning. Maybe you've been somewhere else. And we're, you know, as a pastor, I know we never want people to shift from other churches. But I want to say this this morning because I really felt this. But there was someone here this morning. And you've come from somewhere where maybe things are a little bit of a struggle for you. And you're here this morning. And you've just, during that worship time, God's confirmed something to you. You've said, this is the place I need to be. And, you know, God's the gardener, isn't he? He's able to shift plants as he wishes. And as I say, we never want that to happen. But sometimes God needs to do that. So if that's you this morning, just take that. Well, it's a real blessing to be here this morning. And, uh, you know, Rachel and I, our relationship with uh, Connect Church goes back a few years, really, Uh, even though we've only been probably getting to know Pastor Adam and Anita maybe for the last five years or so. We've seen them for many years at different conferences. In fact, a couple of years ago, Pastor Adam uh, blessed us by inviting us to your national conference, and we were guests there uh, with Jedediah Thurner and also, um, I can't remember his name, the pastor from South Africa, Andre Olivia, that's right. So it was great to be there. But many years ago, my wife came here when Pastor Bobby Houston spoke here. I think it was called the Meadows Inn. might be 17 or 18 years ago, I think it was. And she came here and actually spoke in this building. So it's been a few years. But anyway, a big welcome from Vision Church, our team in Palmerston North to you guys here. What a great house you've got here. What a great spirit and a great sense in this place. Um, but here, I'm here this morning and i am just got a message I really believe is going to touch hearts. So get ready to receive that this morning. I want to talk to you uh, from a, a story that we all know very, very well, David and Goliath. title of my message, if you're taking notes this morning, is Five Smooth Stones. And I hope during the next 20 or so minutes, I'll be able to explain that to you. But what I want to do this morning, instead of reading out a, a whole pile of scripture for that story, while it would be nice to do that in terms of time, I want to explain a little bit of the backstory, maybe for those that are not as quite as familiar We understand that uh, the people of Israel had asked for a king, and so God had given to them Saul. He was a a great man. He was he was tall. He was good looking. He was he was a soldier, Uh, but he disobeys God, and uh, God decides then, right, I'm going to replace him with another king. And so we move forward a little bit further, and here's Samuel, the great prophet from a childhood. Remember, he was taken into the house of the Lord, and uh, he was raised under Eli as a as a prophet. He comes to the town. And it says in the Bible that the people are shaking and trembling. Isn't it good when a man of God comes that it sobers people up a little bit? And so here's Samuel coming to Jesse, uh, the Bethlehemite, and he has seven sons. uh, And uh, uh, God has told Samuel to go and anoint one of these sons who's going to be the next king. As we know in the story that Jesse brings his sons before Samuel. And the first three sons are great mighty men of war. And uh, they come in, they're big guys, as you can imagine. They've 
you know, the, the, the muscly, but like the guy up the front this morning, man, he's, he's working out, isn't he? Who was that guy? He's a, you're a gym man, I can tell that. And uh, he's, I was looking, oh, I wish I had a body like that. Uh, and so these three guys come in before God and uh, before Samuel, and God says no to Samuel, this, this one, no, not this one, not this one. Samuel's got the bottle of oil in his hand ready to anoint these, uh, th- this next king. Uh, so Jesse brings in each one of his sons, and when he gets through those six, what happens is uh, uh, he, Samuel says, it's none of these. And then Jesse kind of remembers, oh, yeah, that's right, I've got David. Sadly, that, that was Jesse's uh, kind of uh, attitude towards his younger son. He was just that you know, little runt, sort of good-looking guy out there in the middle of the fields, far away, looking after the sheep, uh, kind of that arty sort of person, you know, kind of you know, long hair probably, if we were saying nowadays, he'd be a Californian kind of look, you know, surfy type, type guy, uh, very arty. And uh, Samuel says, no, bring him in. And so he brings him before Samuel. Jesse brings him, calls him in. David comes in and probably got you know, sheep poo all over him, probably a bit unshaven, a bit unwashed, only a young lad at the time. And at that moment, the Spirit of God comes upon Samuel, and Samuel declares that this is the next king of Israel. Takes out the bottle of oil. Can you imagine the presence of God, like the presence we had this morning, pours it over David, and the Lord speaks. So we've picked it up from there. I want to talk to you today about giants, overcoming giants. Rachel and I have two wonderful children, Leah, who's on staff with us with her husband, uh, Junior and uh, Kyle and Grace, we've had them up to speak. Well, great speaker, great speaker, Grace. And also, we know obviously Mason and Natalie and uh, Chris and Kay. Where are you guys here this morning? Oh, friends of ours, good to see you, Kay. How are you? Um, and so, uh, you know, our Leah, our daughter's on staff with us, uh, uh, and uh, her husband, Junior, and also our son, James, and his wife. So, it's great to have your kids in your house, isn't it? Great to have the kids in the house. Here's the kid in the house, he's anointed. David, to overcome giants. When we came to Palmerston North uh, 18 years ago, we had a giant to face. And many of you in here this morning have got giants that you're facing. And I'm really believing, I I think that this message is going to be for a number of people here. So let's pick it up. Here we go. So David goes back out from having been freshly anointed. At this time, there's a battle going on. We know that the Philistines are on one side of a hill and, uh, and between them on the other side is the children of Israel and the valley between is called the Valley of Elah, some 35 kilometers from Jerusalem. What's significant about the Valley of Elah is that some thousand plus years later is the very same valley, the very same place that Jesus, as we read in the, uh, in the Gospels, is there fasting and praying, coming up against a giant called Satan. And he's tempted and he overcomes. But the amazing thing is, it's the exact same place where the battle happens between the Israelites and the Philistines. And here we have the Philistines on one side. And for 40 days, their great giant, Goliath, has come out from amongst their army on one side. And he's been just terrorizing and just kind of taunting the children of Israel, who are up on the other side. Saul sitting under a tree, come somewhat kind of, uh, you know, wondering what they're going to do. The, the men of Israel were kind of a little bit downcast. They were scared. And so Jesse says to David, David, I want you to go and take some bread and some cheese to your brothers, these three mighty men of war who are out fighting the war. Well, in reality, when David gets there, the army of Israel is quite discouraged. In fact, they're not just discouraged, they are afraid of this giant who's coming out and amongst them and taunting them and terrorizing them. David comes up and he says, who is this? We all know the great uh, verse, don't we? Who is this? 
uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. We've got the picture. So let's jump right into it. 1 Samuel 17 verse 8. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. At that point, David hears this and he says, What shall be given to the man that kills this uncircumcised Philistine? He gets told that, well, you know what? You'll get the king's daughter. Who reckons that's a pretty good deal if you're a young fella here today? And not, who reckons if you're a businessman here today, you'll get, he gets told that if you kill this dude, you'll also be tax exempt. Who would like that this morning? I thought there'd be more hands than that. Come on. You're not being honest. Hate giving our tax to that big giant called the IRD. Hope no one works for the IRD here this morning. And so David says, he jumps right in. He says, I'm going to deal to this dude. You see, what we've got to understand is that David didn't see a giant. He saw an opposition and he saw an opportunity. And some of us in here this morning have got giants facing us that if we would just change our perspective and see it as an opportunity and not just as an opposition, but an opportunity for God to move. When we went to Palmerston, was called to Palmerston North, we were called to Palmerston North. I was sitting in a leaders meeting in a, in a church that I was quite happy in. I was pastor number four. It was a thriving church of about 300 people up north in the Waikato. One day sitting there amongst the other elders and leaders, God says, you're going to Palmerston North. And I was going, how can that happen? There's a pastor there. Long story, here we are. We come down to a church that was really, really quite small at the time, about 30 plus people. 50 people left us. It was about 80, but 50 people left us in the first few months that we were there. And we were down to about 30 people. Uh, it was in big trouble. The buildings were old and dilapidated. And uh, they had an earthquake risk on them. I got rid of them quickly before the council slapped a heritage thing on it. But they weren't, they weren't worth keeping, to be honest. They were falling completely to bits. Uh, there was no money. There was a mortgage. I had a giant in front of me. In fact, I would go out to the building and I could hear it speaking to me saying, Sonny, you'll never get rid of me. And I'd prophesy to the building and say, you're going. Giant, you're coming down. What we did was we started an account and put $50 in it. You can now drive to Palmerston North and see a $7 million building sitting there, all coming from $50. You see, we can't see the giant just as something that stands so high in front of us. We need to see it as not only an opposition, but as an opportunity. See, giants project themselves to sound and look bigger than what they are. It also says in the Bible that before Goliath was an armor bearer, and he would have been much smaller. He'd have been one of those guys that like, um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name, Heath Ledger, who's ever seen that night movie? And he has the guy and comes out and he says, to you crowd, this great and mighty man. And he, see that the armor bearer would come out and say all these massive great things about the person that he was speaking up for. And so this little armor bearer would have come out and he would have said, this great giant. And he would have been projecting all this sort of stuff. And we understand and know that Goliath from the Bible was a very big man. He was huge. He was gigantic. He was huge. But the thing is, is that, you know, when something's so big before us, it can cast a shadow that looks much bigger than what it is. And some people are facing some things today. You're, you're facing huge things that are casting much, much bigger shadows than what they need to be. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you this morning that God, the giants that stand before us and cast huge shadows, Lord, you can bring them down. Lord, would you change our perspective? Will you open our eyes to see and understand that we don't only just have oppositions in front of us, we have opportunities. Lord, will you open our eyes to see the opportunities through the things we face? In Jesus' name, amen. We have a guy in our church. We just got a text this morning. 
who was just diagnosed last week with stomach cancer. And we've just got a text this morning. He's got a massive giant that he's facing. They're going to remove his whole stomach. And so we're just about to to begin 21 days of prayer and fasting at the end of this month. And he'll be one of those people that we'll be praying and fasting for. When we began to build the building that we have now got, we saw some land that was worth over a million dollars. As I say, we had $50 that we put into an account. When we went to buy that million dollars worth of land is we had a $40,000 deposit. Who knows? That's a pretty big giant. When you buy commercial property, you're supposed to have something like 40%. And on that size of land, it was supposed to be a $400,000 deposit. But I went to a real estate agent and said, I want that land. I believe that, you know, we should have that land. God had said to me, go for that land. It was $1.1 million. We offered them a quarter of a million dollars less than they were asking for. Not only that, we told them, no, we're not going to give you any money for six months. Who likes it when you speak back to the giant? Remember, we were a church at that, that time of about 50 people. And uh, this is 2008. It was a huge giant. I then went to the bank and said, hey, I need $1.5 million worth of money and, uh, to, to build this building. Because what had happened in 18 months, that land was paid off. Amazing. The giant came down. Went to the bank. And I believe this is a word for you today as a church, Mason, Natalie, is that you're looking at things in the future that you want to do. Don't see them as giants. God is going to pull that giant down and you're going to accomplish the things you want to do. We went to the bank for $1.5 million and I said to God, what do I say, God, when I go to see the executives? And he said, just tell them that if I don't have money, my business plan is I don't have money, I don't spend it. So I went into this meeting, uh, church of 50 people. Uh, we had land now, needed $1.5 million, big giant. Went in and saw them and sat down with these guys in ties and suits, you know, business executive, bankers, regional manager. And they said, what's your business plan? And I said, well, if I don't have money, I don't spend it. It was silence for about a minute. They looked at each other, looked at me, laughed and said, we love it. You got the loan. How many people get a loan of $1.5 million with that sort of business plan? You see, our God is the God that when we see opposition, He wants us to see opportunity. Amen. Our perspective determines our view, which affects the way we see reality. We've got to see it how God sees it. 1 Samuel 17, 38 to 39. So Saul clothed clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. David sees Goliath, says, I'll take him down. I, I, I want what's been offered. Saul hears about it. His brothers go, who are you? Just go back to your little sheep. But Saul hears about it and says, okay, we'll give this young boy an opportunity to do it. He's probably going to get killed, but we'll give him the opportunity. Tries to put his armor on him. David's trying to walk with this heavy sword. The point I want us to get today is the sword is mentioned. The sword is what ties all the armor together. David takes the armor off. When you're facing a giant, what we've got to do is not try and walk in someone else's armor. Not try and walk in someone else's experience. Not try and walk in the principles someone else has found. You've got to find the armor to take down the giant that God wants you to have, that God wants you to wear. And you can only find that out by going to God. Some of us are facing giants here this morning. We need to go to God with the armor, with the materials, with the tools to take down the thing we're facing and only God can give that to you. We don't fight physical battles. That armor that he was trying to wear was a physical armor, but the battle was a spiritual one. Some of us here today need to fight the things that we're fighting, not in the physical, You've been fighting in the physical, but God wants you to fight it in the spiritual. Don't try and fight it 
in the physical. We have to test the armor. And we do that by using the armor. The thing that God's been speaking to you about. Maybe there's some people here today and you say, yeah, you're resonating with what I'm saying. Hey, yeah, I feel that. I sense that. Now you've got to really step forward in that armor. You've got to test the ground. You've got to move forward. You can't test that armor by staying back. Remember what David does is he moves forward. He comes down off that side of the valley on that side of the hill. And he comes down to meet the giant in the middle of the valley. We've got to understand that the sword is a picture of the word of God. And the word ties all the other armor together. It's the word that Jesus defeated a giant in the same desert. Remember that? He says, but it says this, it is written, it is written. The same giant, but in a different time. The picture of David and Goliath is a foreshadow of the giant that was to come. And it's a picture for us of the, a foreshadow of the giant that we're now facing. Some of you are facing huge giants. It could be uh, health, as we heard this morning from Pastor Aaron. It could be financial. It could be relational. I don't know what it is, but God can deal to that giant if we will just walk forward and test the armor that he gives us. As I said, some of us have to take off the armor or the words that people have spoken on us. They've said, oh, no, but if you do it this way. No, 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 you need to get it from God. You need to hear what God says about your situation. 1 Samuel 17, 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Remember, David was a shepherd. So David took what he knew. He took the tool that he was familiar with, the staff, which he'd used many times to bring the sheep in. Anyone here been a sheep farmer or a dairy farmer? I did two years of that, never done it before. Man, it was great. I did well in it because it was in my blood. In fact, my grandfather had been a farmer and I kind of never realized that, but just walked straight into that. But here is what those things that David had, the armor that he had spiritually and he had naturally, this is what they represent. The staff, as we know, of course, represents the Holy Spirit. And when David picked up that staff, it was a representation of the Holy Spirit. You see, if we want to take down a giant, it's through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going. And he pointed us to the Holy Spirit. While we've got to know Christ as our Savior, Jesus is constantly saying the Spirit of God, as we felt in the presence here and this morning, was an incredible presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit that will take down the giants that you're facing. And the interesting thing about this, as he had, it says that he grasped hold of the staff, the Holy Spirit is within our grasp. He's here. Many of the modern church today don't, really know how to walk in the things of the Spirit. I'm teaching my team all the time. They love it when I move in the Holy Spirit. This is how you do this. This is how you do this. Training our interns, move in the Spirit. One day I lined them all up, about seven or eight of them. I said, watch this. So I'm moving the word of knowledge and the word of discernment. I said, stand there, think about the thing that's happening in your life. And I went, boom, 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 boom. Five of those seven things were exactly right. They were like, wow. You see, the Holy Spirit will move if we move. The Holy Spirit will move. We've got to choose faith over fear when we're facing a giant. It's easy to become intimidated. The interesting thing here is, if you think about it, David scooped down and he took five stones. Ever wondered why he took five stones? We read the story and in hindsight, we see that he used one stone. But why did he scoop five stones? It's interesting to think. Why would he do that? Well, here's the answer all through scripture. David only needed one stone, just one. You see, the simplest thing in your hand, if it's just a stone, is what can take down 
a giant. What is in your hand today? Remember Moses and God said, Moses, what's in your hand? And he taught Moses to get out of his insecurity and to trust in the very things that God had given him. What is the thing that God has given you that you're saying, I've got this giant that's facing me. God has put some natural things in you. Some of us financially have got giants that we're facing. And God's saying, I've put some natural things in your hand that will take down the giant you're facing. You need to look and ask God and through the eyes of the Spirit and through that understanding that the opposition is an opportunity, you will see the way to take down that giant. Maybe in health-wise, I know my wife uh, is on a keto diet at the moment. I've been trying on the keto diet. Yeah, thanks, she says. I've been trying my diet as if I see it, I eat it kind of thing, you know. So I'm trying to keep away from bread and that sort of stuff. Uh, We're supposed to both be doing it, but um, I can't. It's just too hard. You see, God will use whatever's in your hands. David has a sling in his pouch. What's in your hand? God will use it to take down the giant. I really believe this is speaking to some people here this morning. Why did he pick five stones? Here they are. The five wounds of Jesus on the cross. Remember, everything in Scripture is a foreshadow of something to come. We know that the whole thread of the Bible is pointing to Jesus. But the pictures that we see in the Old Testament are stories and testimonies for us now. They are foreshadows of what is to come. The five stones represented the five wounds of Jesus on the cross. They represented the five parts of clothing remaining on Jesus during his crucifixion after the soldiers had made four parts of his dress plus his tunic, which they did not tear. The five stones represent uh, where Paul declares that by five times he received 39 lashes from the Jews. The five stones represent the five mad and wise virgins of the Bible and of that parable of Jesus. The five stones represent the five porticos of the pools of Bethsaida. The five stones represent the five kinds of animals that God asked Abraham to present to him to conclude, uh, and conclude him with an alliance. A heifer of three years old, a goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, a turtle dove, and a young dove. The five stones represents the five books of the Torah, the law, according to Judaism, that corresponds to the number of the first Five books of the Bible. The, the, the book of Lamentations of Jeremiah contains also five chapters. Here's the other thing that's significant. Remember I said that it's exactly the same place. The Valley of Elah is 35 kilometers from Jerusalem. Do your research and read, read your Bible and you'll see that Jesus w- walked out into the wilderness. That's the exact same space. It's significant for us. Why is it significant for us? And why are the five stones significant for us? This is why. If you read later in 2 Samuel 21, 18 to 12, we read that Goliath had one brother and three giant sons. Four more giants. In the spirit, David moved prophetically by picking up five stones, one for the giant. He only needed one, but he picked up four other stones for the brother. He didn't know that Goliath had a brother. Neither did he know that Goliath's brother had three giant sons. But he moved prophetically in the Spirit. You see, when we move prophetically in the Spirit, did we know that by putting $50 in an account, we hoped and believed for that, we moved prophetically and in the Spirit, that from that $50, a $7 million facility would come? People have often said to me, what about if you put 150 in there, what would happen? I go, yeah, I know, I wish you had done that now. But you see, what we do in the Spirit now, prophetically, God will use to take down the giant. What's the point of the four stones? We have to understand that the one giant we take down will ultimately lead us to the other four. 
The giant that we take down now, the devil at this level, it'll be a bigger devil at another level. It'll be a bigger giant. There'll be more giants. When you climb one hill, there's always going to be another hill. And God understands us that we've got to prophetically understand in our spirit and see in our eyes and our heart that God wants you to take more. The church has to push out. I really believe prophetically, I'll speak it again over this church, that there is much more land for you to take. And while you're facing giants, and one of them may be, whatever it is, maybe this or maybe that, I really believe that God says you are going to take more land. You're going to take more ground. I'm speaking prophetically now. I'm speaking in the spirit now. David prophetically picked up enough stones to take down those he was yet to face. So through the eyes of faith, we've got to see what God wants us to take. The other interesting thing about this is these, this battle and these sorts of battles were fought through representatives. That's how they did it. Goliath comes down in this particular battle. He says, come on, uh, you send someone down. And if I beat him, you'll serve us. But if you beat me, then you, we'll serve you. Remember when Jesus was in the desert in the exact same spot, he was fighting as our representative. He was fighting on our behalf. Is the other interesting thing is the rocks were gathered from a flowing brook. They were, they were gathered from a flowing brook. What's prophetic about that? What's interesting about that? You see, the tools that we use when they come from the life-giving spirit of God, they're effective. He scoops them out of the river. We have to lead and face the giants that we face from the things that are in our spirit. So the brook is a picture of the Spirit of God flowing in and through us. When David reached down and picked up the five stones, again, he gave us a battle plan that we need to reach down into the things of the Spirit for the giants that we face. We're going to finish in a couple of minutes, and I've got these here, smooth stones. What I'd love you to do, I'm going to give you five quick points just before we finish, but what I'd love you to do is if you're facing a giant in your life, and this is nothing, this is nothing new age, it's nothing like that, okay? It's not like going to a crystal store and getting this thing and putting it on me. This is simply a picture of the stone that you need to say to that giant, here it is. It only takes one giant. It only takes one stone, one thought, one, one revelation from God, one comment, one word, one scripture, one step forward that'll take down the giants. Quickly as we finish. Five spiritual weapons to defeat your giants. The Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. The second weapon is faith. Hebrews 11.1, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith. The third one is prayer. Ephesians 6.17 and 18, take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with prayer and supplication. Come on, we've got to use the Word of God. We've got to use faith. We've got to pray. The fourth one is the confession. Sorry, the fourth, uh, fourth one is living a right life. You know, so many people say, well, I'm, I'm praying and, you know, I'm, I'm reading the Word. And, but something in our life is not right. How many of us go to the, to the drawer and we go to pick up a knife and fork? And if you haven't washed it right, maybe someone didn't do their time on cleaning it or the dishwasher didn't clean you pick it up it's been sitting there for a few days it's got food all over it how many of us would pick that up and use it no we've got to have a clean life we're supposed to be sons and daughters of righteousness word of God 
prayer, faith, living a right life. And lastly, the confession of our mouth. Revelations tells us they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word from that comes from their mouth. The confession of your mouth. Will you stand with me this morning as we finish? I'm going to give that opportunity and I'm going to pass it back to Pastor Aaron in a moment. If you've got a giant that you're facing in your life, I'd love you to come and take a stone and begin to speak to that giant and say, you know, it's only a stone. It means nothing. Please, I want to reiterate that. It's not some new age kind of thing. It's simply a symbol. As we've seen so much of the symbolism and the truth of God's Word that if we will speak and pick up that stone out of a river of living water that comes from within us and we'll point that stone towards that thing we're facing, I tell you what, God will bring it down. It's God that directed the stone from David's sling to hit the very middle of his forehead. But it was also David's expertise in the natural thing that brought the supernatural thing. Some of us this morning need to step from the natural into the supernatural and from the supernatural into the natural. And when we do that and move in the Spirit of God, like we saw of our facilities and we see often with healings as you do here as well, can I tell you, God promises that as you step in that way, He will move. Can we bow our heads and pray this morning? And if you want to come, I'll hand it back to Pastor Aaron. Please come and take a stone and declare that to that giant. Father, we thank You that it was only a stone. We thank You, but... Lord, even though it was only a stone, you used what was his natural ability supernaturally to take down the thing that was facing him. God used an opportunity to be an incredible move in bringing victory. God, the oppositions we face, the giants that we're struggling with, God, you will take them and you'll create an opportunity through them for us to overcome. God, it's by your Spirit this happens. And Father, I pray today that, Lord, during this moment, people that are facing giants will step up to those giants, do something in the natural that they can do, and through the supernatural, Father, you will move. Lord, I pray for every person across this place. Come on, if you're facing that giant, why don't you raise your hand, and I'll pray for you this morning. Pray for those people that are facing giants, their hands going up across this place. God knows. I pray, Father, that Davids will arise out of this place. Lord, the opposition that people are facing, Father, will become an opportunity, Lord, for your Spirit to move in and through people this morning, right now, right across this place. I really sense God's moving. People are taking stones. Come on. Every time that giant comes back, declare it to God. Speak to it. Say, no giant of sickness, you're not going to do this. This is the stone. The same stone, the same representation, the same thought that God moved through David. No, you're not going to do that. Healing, go. I pray that healing would come. Sickness, go. Financial situation, I'm going to step out. Whatever it is, relational situation, I'm going to step out. So, Father, we thank you this morning that you're moving in people's hearts. We thank you this morning that, God, people are standing up. Even though they might feel in themselves small, even though they might see themselves, others might have said, no, he's only a shepherd boy. No, no, he's only, she's only. God, you see like no one sees. God, you move like no one can move. And you move through us as we move. Father, we thank you for that. the word this morning church can we put our hands together for Pastor Dana the word that was brought this morning what an amazing word what an amazing word thank you Pastor Dale
Hey, I don't want to close off the service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. You might be here for the first time, or you may be, uh, have been coming for a wee while, and you've never said yes, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And I want to give you all an opportunity to do that uh, this morning. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed, please? On the count of three, I'm going to ask if you do want to say yes to Jesus, that you would raise your hand nice and high. And what we're going to do at the end of that is we're going to pray as a family. And what you're doing, if you're putting your hand up, is you are saying, yes, Jesus, I am a sinner. I am in need of a saviour. Jesus, would you come into my life? We all need him. I don't know about you, but I made that decision many, many years ago. And it's a decision that I will never look back on. It was the greatest decision I'll ever made, I've ever made. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask for you to put your hand nice and high so I know who we're praying for. One, Jesus loves you. Two, this is the greatest decision you'd ever make. Three, if you want to say yes to Jesus, can you put your hand nice and high? Thank you for that hand in the middle. I don't want to rush this moment. We'll just leave it open a little bit longer. You know if God's knocking on the door of your heart, He's calling you into a relationship with Him. Let's pray, church. Uh, Can you guys repeat after me? And let's do this with a bit of excitement. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. We thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I invite you this morning to be that Savior. Lead me in life and do life with a relationship with me. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Church, can we make some noise for the person who said yes to Jesus? What an amazing time. Come on, it says in the Bible that there is a party in heaven for anyone that joins the kingdom. One more time, let's worship him as we close off the service.